Hello, my name is Ryan LaSala, and this is the Superlit Podcast. bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBT community, and we have Ryan LaSala, and we have Sylvie Green, and Brendan Patrick. Hey, friends. Hey. Hello. Um, just in case you don't know, uh, we have Ryan LaSala here, and we are talking about their book, Reverie, that just came out in December? Yeah, December 3rd. How has it already been over a month? I don't understand. I don't quite get it either. I think it's because the holidays sort of create a weird, like, temporal suction in the middle of, like, the, like the end of December and the beginning of January, so, like, no one quite remembers what's going on. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a thing, because I tried having a conversation with Adam Sass last night, mm-hmm. and my brain is still melted from uh, holiday. Yeah, but he'll do that to you. Like, I would not use him as the barometer, because <laughs> he will melt your base like a casual conversation about, like, it could be about, like, Cheetos or something like that, and you'll walk away being like, what? What was that? <laughs> So, Ryan, usually what we do is we start off by asking really um, important questions like who your favorite pop star is, just so we can, like, set the tone. Mm, Okay. Is that the question that you want to ask me? Yeah. I mean, like, Sophie usually goes with, like, what's your favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song? I feel like we can go there, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. My favorite pop star. Um... Oh, you know, you're asking the wrong person. I feel like I did not, like, cultivate a taste for pop stars until, like, kind of too late. Like, I didn't listen to a lot of pop music growing up, and so as a result, like, like, like I totally missed the Space Girls. Like, that was not something that I even, like, remotely knew was a thing when it was happening. Um, you know what? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go real far back, and, like, this would have been a pop star from her era, but Shirley Bassey, do you guys know who that is? I actually don't. Now I need to know. She is uh, the woman who sings a lot of, like, the James Bond songs, like, Goldfinger and, like, Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, Yeah, and, like, I I know she's not, like, a pop star right now, but whenever people ask me who my favorite artist is, I always mention her because if you go back, there are videos of her, like, doing live performances, and they are the zaniest thing you will ever see in your life. Like, this woman just was, like, totally unhinged on stage, and, like, her hand choreography alone is extremely impressive, so... Uh, if you're here and if you're like, who is this person? You should just like look her up and find some live performances and you will, you'll lose an hour of your life just like absorbing this, like this woman's entire performance history. Honestly, the fact that you said hand choreography is really what's messing me up. I think I'm going to have to look into her. That's great. You kind of get the sense watching her that she never quite knows what she's about to do next, but she does it anyways. (laughs) We love that. Yeah. Which I really like. That's very relatable to me. Kind of like when you, so we went to see Ryan in um, some sort of place in Pennsylvania. And um, when you came out and did your like opening thing where you were like (laughs) carried and then dropped, um, Mm -hmm. I don't think I was expecting that. You know, I, uh, as the person who sort of imagined it, I was also not expecting it. I sort of, 
am amazed that people went along with it. Um, but the videos are very funny. Truly an iconic day. Um, <laughs> gosh. Uh, so uh, I, I wanted to get the, like, the silly questions out of the way because mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be a million more of them. But tell us a little bit about Reverie. Absolutely. So Reverie is a young adult fantasy novel. Uh, It just came out and it's been making a lot of waves because um, it's a very explicitly queer book that's kind of cracked into the mainstream. Uh, It's the Barnes & Noble Young Adult Book Club pick for January, which is quite phenomenal because Reverie is like atypical in a lot of ways. First and foremost, it has a like predominantly queer cast and um, the main character, he's a um, gay teenager, and the villain is a drag queen sorceress who is off to uh, just hell-bent on basically harvesting people's dreams and using them to overwrite reality as we know it, so she can create something better um, and more to her taste. So very much a uh, an exploration of queer identity that um, that I wrote into a uh, a fantasy novel, and now it's a book. Literally, I think Posey... I mean, so... Uh, we do like a little bit of spoilers here, but like not like here's the ending. Um, yeah. But uh, Posey is our our villain, yes. Right. She's the she's the drag queen sorceress that um, a lot of people hear about prior to reading the book. I think she was like my. Fa- I don't know if I'm allowed to say that she's my favorite thing, but like she is. She should be. I I mean, and you know, this is I don't think is a spoiler at all, but like I would like to think that the way that I wrote her does explore why she does what she does. And I don't think she's like a typical sort of like two dimension representation of like villainy. And that was kind of purposeful. Like I did want to give her a lot of sympathy in the way that she's like articulated Um, in part because Kane, the hero, you know, comes to respect her at certain points in the book too. And I wanted that to not feel unbelievable. Yeah. I felt like it was very much like, um, I'm such a fan of like a a gossip girls jumping to my mind right now. where like, Mm -hmm. Blair will be like, oh my gosh, I'm so mad at this person, but I have to, like, it's just, like, something like that. Or it's, like, frenemies, but it's, like, clearly this person is going to, like, cl- like destroy everything. Um, but I, I can't not respect them because they help me through things. Well, right, like, and also, like, I feel like gays are oftentimes looking for, like, avatars of, like, ferocity, and those are not always going to be the hero in a lot of things. Like, they're going to be sort of, like, the wicked and sort of, like, divinely so people or characters, basically, like, the character actress that's part of, like, every movie, right? Like, we look for that person because they're, like, this, like, person who's just, like, totally does not give a fuck. Oh, actually, wait, I should Can we swear? Oh, yeah, we swear her all the okay, time. Okay, cool. Sophie was called 2020 the year of pegging, so that's where we're at. That's, well, you know what, Sophie, you're right. It is. And it's good that people know that now because of you. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I'm with you on... Nah, I, I like Posey a lot too. She's sort of my, I wouldn't say my favorite character, but she's definitely up there. I think the, the, like the way that she's described with such like, um, attention to like, especially like what she's wearing too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like that was just like, I'm sitting here like closing my eyes going like, okay, I can see this outfit. I can see how she's working it. And it's just like, as a, a queen that used to perform and, you know, think of stuff like that. It, it really hit home with me. I'm like, yes, this is like a drag queen I would pay to see live. That, that is the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. Like, coming from a queen about a queen, like, I wanted her to feel like a performance, sort of, like, written down. And that means the world. Thank you for telling me that. Oh, my gosh, of course. I literally was like, I feel like if Ryan were to be, like, the, the stage persona of Ryan LaSalle, I feel like if they were anyone, it would be 
posy in terms of like the way that's like, oh well, this is my taste. This is what's happening. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you're probably not wrong. I a lot of a lot of what I find to be powerful and a lot of what I seek to empower myself with are for sure qualities that I have in common with her or things that I like try to emulate, right? Like things that I try to kind of like work into I want to become, which is not an endorsement. I think I want to make sure people who are listening to this are not like, oh my God, like Ryan LaSalle is completely in defense of like this like wicked lady because she does some kind of fucked up stuff. Um, But the core of her and sort of the inspiration behind her is very important to me just as like a person, a queer person. Oh yeah. And the thing is, I feel like we get so many stories about like every queer person has to be good. And it's like that. And as much as I like love that, I also believe that like, (laughs) I don't think that's possible. Well, also, I mean, not to address like reviews or criticism, but I think one thing I anticipated when writing a book like Reverie was that, um, it, and it, and it does do this. It plays into sort of like the queer villainy trope. Right. And if, anyone's unfamiliar with that it's there's sort of like there's like the effeminate like villain that is kind of common in a lot of like cartoons and movies um especially science fiction and fantasy and like it's basically like this like perverted unspoken homosexual that like is in love with the hero but tries to kill him and like that's like a thing and so for a long time when i was writing reverie i was like oh am i like am i playing into this trope but ultimately like the resistance to... Oh, hold on one second. My dogs are going crazy. Can you hear them in the background? Just a little bit. It's okay. Yeah, they'll they'll be quiet. I told I told them that I had an interview. Oh, they're clearly not listening. <laughs> um, it's Izzy and Hazel. They're sweet. Izzy's wearing a little vest right now because she's a pit bull and she's cold. Anyhow, what I was saying is um, in response to tropes like that, right? Like the queer community sort of rallies against it and produces like um, a reflection of that that's something else. So like the queer hero... But what it does is it doesn't quite, like, leave a lot of, like, room for nuance because suddenly, like, because there's so many eyes on queer media, like, we can't play into, like, these own tropes, even though there's a lot to be experimented upon within um, those tropes when they're, like, when they're handled by us, right? And one thing that I sought to do with Reverie is um, because there's so many queer characters, I wanted to talk about uh, infighting and how different queer people, based upon their own lived experiences and their own, like, comfort level with certain things they're going to react to things in different ways Kane and Posey are very much like an exploration of that and that's why Posey is like the way that she is versus like Kane is the way that he is and so yeah like it, it, it's sort of in that realm but my hope is that like because I'm a queer artist and because I was pretty diligent with like my representation like I wanted it to be seen as like a dialogue not so much just like a you know we have this like campy evil person that like has nothing behind their evil actions they're just simply evil for the sake of like plot yeah, because I, I feel like po- Posey it was e- extremely layered, and especially, you know, against, you know, the, the I'm forgetting the word, but against, the, like, the comparison of, like, Cain, who is very much, like, uh, like in, inward on themselves. I don't know how to describe it. He's a very like, interior person. Yes, and it's funny because it's, like, they're, they're a queer person, and it's not, like, it, with their loved ones, like, with his sister... It's like, oh, it's just gay enough to work. Like, you know, they, they have those... They banter, yeah. Yeah, they banter with each other, but, like, with other people, it's very, like, closed off. Whereas, like, Posey is very much like, I am. <laughs> Here yeah. I am. Yeah, she's... And that's, like, I mean, that's, like, the key to... not It's, like, me talking about, like, whether or not I was successful. So, like, I probably sound like a psychopath as I'm talking. But that's kind of the key to, like, what I feel like makes her... Like, that, that's what's villainous about her. It's not the queerness of her. It's just the fact that she is, like, so completely um, intoxicated with, like, her specific point of view 
that, you know, she claims to try to be helping people that she actively harms, but because she's doing it because she's so righteous about it, she doesn't seem to notice. And, it, and even if she did, it doesn't seem to really matter to her because ultimately everybody's expendable in the name of her goal. And so that's what I, I mean, like if someone asked me to like define like what makes her evil, it's, but also what makes her powerful. It's sort of this like very self, this very like a uh, strong self-determination that like kind of guides her, but also I think makes her, you know, the villain that she is. Yeah. Sophie, do you have any questions? Um, I'll think of some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just know, like, like pleasantly yeah, just listening die. to you guys talking. I'm like, oh, this is a nice podcast to listen to. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be talking also. <laughs> You're the one with the professional mic here. Oh, no, I think that's really interesting because the I think the criticism that most queer things have gotten, like especially things that have existed like previous to the last couple of years where we're finally starting to get things that have lots and lots of queer characters in them is that well you can't have like this character the reason that it was like so significant that queer characters were being killed off of media is because they were the only one on the show so right. you're like eliminating representation completely by having an emotional beat of a character dying or the reason that like characters are being criticized for being villains and queer is because they're the only queer characters and then that's all yeah. they are also evil so like you're only representing queer people as evil so like more queer villains fighting queer heroes please yeah i'm with you on that I love that. And I also think that it like, it's a more interesting conversation than just taking like, like it would have been the easiest thing to take like Kane, like a young queer kid, his group of friends and put them against like this like hyper heterosexual person looking to, you know, take action on how heterosexual they are and like turn that into the world. But like, frankly, like in a book about getting away from reality and building a fantasy, like reality is quite heterosexual. It would have made no sense. Like who's, who's going to try to build like the, the straight fantasy, like we're already living in it. <laughs> straight fantasy please no yeah i know anything but that um i think that that it also is it, like a really good parallel to my experience with the queer community i feel like because there is like the dichotomy of like younger queer people who've grown up on the internet and have like more of an experience of like sharing their stories with each other and there's like such a big deal about like having um, people being so much more self-aware of who they are and like how they feel at a younger age. And then there's a lot of like older queer people who have gone through like all of the trauma that the queer mm -hmm. community went through in the nineties and eighties that didn't have that experience of having the like community built around them. And there's this kind of like dichotomy of both sides learning from each other, but it does create like this tension almost. I'm totally with you. I think that like one of the interesting things to observe coming of age, like as like a queer young man is the um, way that like, and this is, I mean, for, for gay men, this is a, a huge problem, but the way that like gay men react to like older gay men in like queer spaces with this, like sort of like, sometimes like, it's like they, they, they're like, you know, they like detest them entering like queer bars. And I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. It's because this person's here and survived that, we are in this space right now. Like you're quite literally talking down to like the keystone of our species. Like, please don't do that. Um, the same thing with like people that, um, back talk like trans activism and, uh, and drag queens, like people that led these movements. Like it always startles me when people have such a, um, kind of like determined association from like the history that kind of enables us to live the way that we do in some places. And 
but I'm also fascinated that like, you know, a person can come of age in, um, in our current realm and not really be in touch with that. Right. Cause it's just not prominent to their world. Kane is like clearly in touch with like certain things. So like Kane is somebody that like came of age in like a pretty liberal area. And so he gets the benefit of that, but he's still, I mean, hopefully in the reads this way, but like, I like to think that he's still pretty in touch with like what it means to be somebody like Posey when Posey was coming of age. Because a lot of things, especially I, I just had a conversation with Michael Nava. I think a lot of things that are not relevant to like young queer people is that like there was a long period of time where like what we have now is not anywhere near what uh, people who came before us had. And to disregard them completely or to act the way that they, the way that you were describing, Ryan, it's just like, why are you doing this? Like we are able to be as like, out and queer and loud as we can because people before us fought for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it drives me crazy. It's just such disrespect. And I mean, this is even from somebody like me who has a ton to learn about kind of like, well, made that up, but there's no like, oh my God, now is there a band playing above me? I'm so sorry that my apartment is like <laughs> a stereotype of like New York. Truly. No, it truly is. Like I, it, it, there's a band like warming up above me. They were doing like a mic test, like, um, there's a woman doing like vocal warmups in like the apartment to my right. Like there's just, <laughs> hold on, let me, I'm going to move rooms once again and we're going to see if this resolves this, but I'm sorry that this is kind of like my apartment in the evenings, usually in the day. It's oh no, better. it's fine. I, uh, I usually have to tell my family like, Hey, I'm interviewing someone. So like if you sneeze or start playing like Pokemon downstairs near me, like I could get flagged for like someone else's music being in a, like an episode or something. Oh yeah, that's true. All right, is this a little bit better? It sounds quiet. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is the room that has the sirens, though. So we're just gonna we're gonna jump back and forth between these two rooms until someone <laughs> stops fine. dying on my street. Anyhow, sorry. You should no, edit all fine. of that out. <laughs> it's just gonna it's gonna stay in, and that's gonna be the whole episode. Good. Yeah, Ryan running from room to room. That seems like an episode of a TV show. I'm sure. <sighs> it's my life. It's like the if I have a reality television show, it'd be me walking in like the same four rooms because I work from home. So I'm like always in just the same spot. I just don't move. It's you trying to fight Adam Rippon on Twitter. I'm trying. I would love to fight him, but he so far has not risen to the occasion, which I think is probably just because he's scared, which I don't blame him. I'm, I mean, honestly, I saw your form on the ice skating rink. Like you were coming for his gig. I am. I am. You know what? He practices every single day. I, I skate once every four years and can you imagine how good I would be if I practiced as hard as he would? He would have no career. Zero career. Zero, zero medals. Career. Yeah. Yeah. Everything he has, he basically owes to me for me not trying at all. He, you walked so he could run. So you could run him over. Honestly. I did. I, I didn't walk at all so that he could fly. Yeah. It's that. <laughs> he was at, he was at BookCon last year when I was there and I like, very badly wanted to like find a way to introduce myself because he had like a book that he was promoting. It was like, I think it was like his like memoir or something like that. And I was there for, for reverie. And so I was trying to like figure out a way to match those two things up, but it, you know, it wouldn't have made any sense. So if I see him again, now I'll be like, you ignored me. You ignored my challenge. I skate challenge dual me right now, right here. Right I now, my right in person. Mm-hmm. I would pay to watch that. I think. I think a lot of people would. I think that there's probably a lot of money to be made in me challenging people at the things that they're Olympic medalists at, whereas I am terrible at it. But I do it with flair. <laughs> um, is this like celebrity deathmatch, but not with clay figurines? 
Yes, exactly, exactly. And I'm I always lose. <laughs> um, I'm happy, to, I'm happy to be that person. <laughs> the one thing that I really appreciated about this book was that the extremely powerful women. Ah, uh, yes, they're they're the moment. <laughs> Thank you. I I always come back to that too. I think when I'm like stuck on anything like river related, like I always have to focus on like them and what they would be doing. And that's sort of like my guiding star. And really the whole book is just like this hijinks to, to kind of put women in like femme presenting people in like really powerful action scenes. That's all I want. While they're wearing like cupcake tiered gowns, which is like what I love is like a woman <laughs> in a full ball gown, just yes. like kicking ass. Like ripping yes. the bottom off and being like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That I, it's, there's something I think like very queer about like that particular subversion that a lot of people have responded to. And the person that you're referencing is, um, is Ursula, who is like my favorite character of every, cause she's consistently sort of put in like action sequences, despite always being dressed to like the nines and something like hyper femme. And I just love her. I feel so bad for her character. Cause she, you know, she, she has to do a lot of work <laughs> because of her role as sort of like this person, but, but it's my favorite thing to write in like that universe. She was truly, I think like, I don't know what it was, but like the first scene where she's like, no, it's like not ladylike. And I'm like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. In the first reverie. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 When she's dressed as like a sexy secretary. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that. My dream is that people cosplay as Urs. Um, because, well, specifically because she's, you know, in, like, the cosplay world, like, a lot of people are like, well, you don't have the body type to, like, be these, like, crazy anime figures who, no one has the body type because none of us are, like, you know, none of us have, like, a thorax, like an ant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no! But, do you know what I mean, though? Like, like you look at those, like, the, like the, the anime figures and you're like, like, no, like, no one is shaped like that because, like, we're not insects. You know, like, exoskeletons. <laughs> and so, my, with, like, Ursula, though, because, like, she, like, and whenever artists like ask to draw her, I'm like, yeah, you just, you cannot make her thin. You cannot. Like, I would be very upset to see that. Um, it's like the, the big role that I have with her because she's not like she's, she's who she is. And so I'm excited for these people that cosplay to not have to deal with the fact that like, oh my God, well, this is not how she's like actually depicted. Cause like, no, at no point in the book is it like, oh, she's like this like little like femme twig girl. Like she's just, she's very much not that. Um, but she still gets to wear all the stuff that you might suspect, like, a damsel to wear. I think the only person in the book that I was like, oh, yes, like, very femme, tiny girl would be... Um, I'm, I consistently mispronounced her name the entire time I was reading the book. Um, Adeline? Yes, there it is. I was yeah. like... I was every time I saw the like the spelling of it, I'm like, I'm, mis- I'm mispronouncing this. <laughs> Maybe. I think... I mean... Adeline is notably a ballerina, but ballerinas come in sort of all shapes and sizes. She is probably on like the more slight side. I would actually say though, there's anybody that's like small and slender and like thin in the book and like a damsel, it's Kane. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I was going to say. Reverie's mostly about a book about like the, like the damsel is telling the entire story. I think that's, this book is just like, it's like, okay, so we have tropes, but guess what? They're different mm-hmm. now. Oh my god! Oh god! The dogs have now found me. Go, go, get out of here! What? There's a there's a new dog in my apartment that I've never seen before. Hold on one second. Get go, You're just who acquiring are? dogs. Yeah, there's just a new dog. A new dog. Get out of here. Put go. them on the mic. <laughs> yeah, come back. What are your names? Who are you? Oh my god! Unless it's like one of the dogs, and they just 
undressed themselves and didn't realize it was in this room and they were just like it's a dog inside of a dog <laughs> this whole time it's been like in costume oh no it's like, <laughs> like rebel wilson and cats yes it like, oh, it, like no. unzipped itself and it, it was in a leotard the entire time and i just like caught it surprise this episode is all about cats listen mm-hmm. patreon check that out oh my god yes please do I could talk for hours about the absolute emotional roller coaster that that movie put me on. It's amazing. So you enjoyed it. Oh, I, one of the best theater experiences I've ever had in my life. Yes, that is true. Me as well. I've never felt more bonded with strangers in my life than by the end of that movie. Right. It's like a, it's like a two hour, like log flume ride. (laughs) <laughs> you yeah everyone gets trapped on the ride in the willy wonka the like yes. weird terrifying yes. <laughs> fairy ride where you'll go on a drug trip together and then you come out and you're just all screaming about what a jellical cat is yeah because they never manage to answer the question no like, despite they... <laughs> there being like several songs like in one of the songs is like what's a jellical cat well and they just like never actually get it they're like jellical cats are not too big jellical cats are black or white <laughs> and like i never actually like i love it i love that show so much i haven't seen it and i know that's blasphemy i want to see it but i want to own it you should you need to i mean seeing it in theaters it's it's i mean like sophie says it, it's like you go in and it's like an experience with strangers like you walk out a family I feel like I want to get like a huge projector and play it on a building in Center City in Philadelphia. Yes. And just like make everyone know. No, it's definitely like a movie that you have to watch with like a group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not I would not suggest doing it alone. That just sounds like it'd be too like mentally compromising. It would break you. I don't know if I would be ready for the acid dream that is uh cats by myself. It's like sort of like you know in like Divergent where they like inject them with a thing that makes them like dream their worst fear. Uh-huh. I feel like you oh could rewrite God. Divergent except it's just like they make them watch cats <laughs> and just like see how they react. Like and it's it's you know if you're Divergent you just like make it through and like find it very enjoyable, but everyone else has a very negative reaction. That would be me. I'd be like jokes on you. I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like this is amazing, and they'd be like, all right, kill him. <laughs> we have to kill that one specifically. Yeah, he survived. <laughs> He's tweeting about how much he loves him. Like, we can't do. do this. Look, it's a slow reveal, and it's like whatever tattoo I got for my whatever coven, whatever the fuck they're called in that movie book, is mm-hmm. just a Mr. Mistopheles sleeve print. Oh, I love, yeah. yeah, like my faction. I'm of like the Mungo Jerry and Rumble Teaser faction. <laughs> the faction, yeah. My, my faction is Mistopheles. Yes. Joke's on you. <laughs> uh, I am Mrs. Mistopheles, as it turns out. Surprise. Yeah, my bitch. drag name is now Mrs. Mistopheles. That's my Twitter name right now. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I actually remember seeing that and being like, oh good, we have a fan. My roommate like looked at me the other night and she was like, did you change your Twitter name to Magical Mr. Mistopheles? And I was like, actually, it's Magical Mr. Misopheles. So. Uh, 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 uh. Have you seen the show or have you just only seen the movie? I had the like VHS of the okay. recorded version when I was little. So okay. I've seen that. Yeah, that that was apparently very pivotal for a lot of people. I never saw that. I never had it. But I have seen the Broadway show four times in one year. Oh, my God. Yeah, when I tell you that, like, there's a much longer story here, and we won't go into it. But um, it just is, is that, like, when it was on Broadway, there was a rival recently. When you enter the lottery for, like, Broadway tickets, like, you could just always win tickets to Cats. Because, like, who's going to go see Cats? And so, oh, like, my as God. A joke, yeah, as a joke, we would, like, 
we would like enter the lottery and like, Oh my God, I'm like fucking got tickets for cats again. And anyhow, so finally, <laughs> finally I was like, I was like, you know what? No, we're going, we're going to cats. And like, I said, no, please like, come on. Like we don't have to go to a show. I was like, no, no, no. We're going to get very drunk and we're going to cats. And we did. And I just had the time of my fucking life. Like I just could not believe, like, and I knew nothing going in, nothing. I didn't even know like the VHS, but it was, a, it was just a blast, like an utter delight of an experience. And then we went three more times. <laughs> Every time I would come like to New York, we'd just enter the lottery. I don't think we ever consciously paid for a ticket. We just would always just, it, it was sort of like fate told us to go every time. That's, that's so magical. Yeah, it was, it was great. And then I went to like, then I went to the tour. I like, oh my God. I like, I like tweet at like the, the Grizzabellas of, of your, I like talk to them on Twitter. Like I really am like a super fan of cats and uh, it's a little, it's, you know what? It's not embarrassing. I have a lot of pride. I don't it's think it's a that's true queer experience. Yeah. yeah, very queer experience. Also, um, a truly inventive like experiment in narration and like narrative in general. Like for a show to not have a plot whatsoever and to be so successful is like quite astounding. Like you can't point to anything else in media that is so completely like inane and redundant and has done nearly as well, except maybe like Pepper Pig. She's iconic. She yeah, is the moment. She is the she's moment. A- yeah. Sorry, she's seven feet tall. <laughs> she's, yeah, she is seven feet tall. Like, yeah, like there's nothing else that's like quite so bizarre that is like done as well. You know? That's I've awesome. literally been saying all week. <laughs> she's got a point. She is a legend. She's iconic. <laughs> I've been saying that at work all week. <laughs> she is the moment. Always cracks me up. Now come on now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, um, I had the one thing I literally wrote down like a few notes before I started talking to you today. Now I can't stop thinking about cats. Um, You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to. I'd like to live in a world where no one has to stop thinking or talking about cats because I do not stop talking about it. Oh, I definitely had like a full week after I saw it the first time where anytime I wasn't actively thinking about something, my brain was just playing the soundtrack. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. When, um, so the, so the, the friend that I like went to the first time, like I now live with him and we both live in New York and all of the, um, cups in our apartment are like commemorative cat cups from the show because we were just Stop. like get yes it's very funny like our guests will come out and we'll like like we'll get like the fine china and they're just like cats cups <laughs> they're all cats cups um because we kept on getting drinks there and like it became like a like and they're like very expensive too so we just were you know literally wasting hundreds of dollars at the cat show getting drinks that are called like jellicle juice and like the memory margarita and jellicle like that. juice <laughs> yeah it's, oh no no yes. no 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 we have like 12 of them because we would go all the time we'd get like two drinks it was just it was really a mess like really this is like someone spinning out and someone should have intervened but no one did so now i'm the way i am <laughs> well i think the only forms to of like the carry liquid in your house are probably the tiny little teacups that you gave out at your meet and greet or cat's cups. Yeah, no, that's like not wrong. There it's like it's like all Broadway cups and like small teacups that like and this I'm not even joking. Um I live with my best friend Ryan and his boyfriend who's also named Ryan. So there's three of us, we're all named oh, Ryan. No, no that's too much. Why did no, you I do know. that? I'm sorry. I know, I know it it's sounds powerful. I'm it's very surreal and all we have to drink out of are cat's cups and um one of the Ryan's family it just like sends him old teacups out of the blue all the time so we just have like many old porcelain teacups like all over the apartment and I, like i don't know how to describe this to you without it sounding like um 
I am cosplaying as myself, but like it, it, <laughs> it's, it's like I live in very much what you would imagine. It's like a menagerie of like porcelain teacups, stuffed animals, and like arts and crafts. Honestly, I if you told me that you had like a very plain like living space, I would be mad. I think. Well, you know, lucky for you, I don't. So <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't make sense. I'd be like, Ryan, we're gonna fix this. Everything's I okay. I know. That's like that's the biggest upset of my career, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's all been an act. He actually lives in like, like he lives in I don't even know, like Cincinnati, and <laughs> like in like a high rise and. No dogs. No, no dogs. Cats. No dogs. Just monogrammed towels. Actually, I kind of do want monogrammed towels, I'll admit. I mean, who doesn't want I'll something with their... Yeah, the, yeah they'll all say... I know, that's the tough part. I actually kind of worry that the dogs in our apartment, since all of us are named Ryan and call each other thusly, are starting to think that, like, the group pronoun for, like, humans in general is Ryan. Like, that's, oh my like, God, like we're, yes. like, all just called Ryans. Like, and the, like, they go for walks and they're like, oh, look at those great many Ryans crossing the street today. Like, I kind of, like, wonder what this is doing to, like, their psychology. My nephews, uh, my mom used to like babysit them all the time, mm-hmm. and I would call her consistently when I was in college um, because I'm a good gay boy taking care of his mother. Um, and she would say my name so often that my one nephew started calling their blankets Brendan's. Brendan's. So, like, all of the blankets in my brother's house are referred to as Brendan's. And it's like, this one's a weighted Brendan, this one's a soft plush Brendan. This is weird. I'm worried about you. What are they going to do? They're going to turn you into a blanket. Like, you've almost reached the point where you're ready to, to be turned. <laughs> is, is, is this what my midsummer is about? Me turning yeah. into a blanket? Yeah, get ready. Say goodbye. Say your goodbyes. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> okay, the question I had, I remembered it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really love Sailor Moon. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, more than anything. And I always view, like, as an adult now, I view, like, Sailor Moon as, like, such a queer show. Um, I really feel like the others with Kane is very much like Sailor Moon and her like four gay gal pals. I love this. Yes, say more. I just like I as I'm reading, I'm like, okay, now this one's Mercury and this one's this and mm-hmm. this one's her. Like that's literally what I was doing as I was going through it. I imagine Adeline. Adeline. Mm-hmm. I imagine her to be Mars mm-hmm. because she's the most angry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was just like the further I got into the book, the more I was just like, I wonder if they would cosplay her. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly enough, uh, because of the book club pick for Barnes and Noble, um, I actually got a lot of messages the day after I like saw you guys in person. I got a lot of messages being like, "Oh yeah, at the book club meeting, we mostly just discussed." which Sailor Scouts we think each of, like, the others would be. <laughs> and I was like, wait, this conversation happened, like, several times across the United States just because, like, I don't stop talking about it. So like, it was, it was really a very dreamy moment for me. And someone even sent me a shrine that they set up in their Barnes & Noble where they took all of the Sailor Moon manga and, like, stocked it on the same table with, like, all of, like, the reveries. And I was like, this, like, this couldn't be better. Really, it couldn't be better. Like, if anyone notices any of the associations between, like, my work and Sailor Moon, like, it's a dream come true for me. I guess, like, all pun intended. There are definitely, there are definitely some influences. Although I sort of leave it up to people to find it. The one thing that I think most people pick up on right away is that um, Ursula and Sailor Jupiter have, like, a lot in common. Specifically, like, sort of being, like, the toughest, the nicest, and also they love baking. I just need to see, like, the kitchen covered in, like, baking supplies while Ursula is just, like, going through it. (laughs) 
that's also like that's also a reference to my mom my mom does that too like anytime i come home she'll be in a complete frenzy and i'll like find her just like covered in like meringue and like all sorts of things and i'll be like do you need help and she'll be like i need sleep and i'll be like okay (laughs) what i need yeah what i need is like a baking pan and i'm like okay all right we can get those yeah well no because she uses all of them like she's like well they're all in use and i'm like well then maybe you have enough cupcakes like 200 wasn't enough and she's like no we need 200 more no ryan what you don't understand is that we don't (laughs) have enough cupcakes no truly she is my mom's like a master chef and so she would never admit it. If she, when she hears this, she's going to be like, you told everyone I can cook. Um, but she does. She's, like, amazing <laughs> at it. So, anyhow, like, a lot of, like, a lot of small things in her are actually, like, very much, like, plucked out of my own life. Nothing, like, on the nefarious side. But um, small things like that are for sure a mix of inspirations. Sailor Moon sort of being a major one. I What I imagine when I'm thinking of, like, your mom cooking is you just, like, with lipstick on and, mm-hmm. like, maybe, like, a, like, a, you know, shake-and-go wig. Yeah. Talking to yourself in a mirror. <laughs> Yes, no, you're, like, not wrong. It'd be, like, me sitting at, like, the kitchen counter as, like, my mom is, like, making cookies that are, I'm going to bring in for, like, my birthday and, like, me, like, playing with, like, lipstick or something like that. She'd always, she'd always come home with, like, she likes Lancome Cosmetics. That's her favorite. And so she would come home with, like, the free samples because she was, like, you know, a, like, a, an award-winning customer, like, whatever you call them. And so she would always, like, give me and, like, my girlfriends, like, all of her like samples that she would get from them and so it would be like us sitting around the table like eating brownie batter and like applying eye cream i love that yeah it was great it was really wonderful that sounds like the best home it was great yeah she i i fully applaud my mom she created perhaps the gayest possible childhood for me and (laughs) i owe her a lot i think um the thing that like really i I tweeted about this the other night, and I wasn't going to tag you in it. Um, I started reading your, like, author's note in the book, and I, like, got, like, really emotional. Oh. Because I was like, oh, my God, this, like, (laughs) this queer person is just making the queerest book possible. And it's just like, we didn't have this when I was growing up, really. And it's just, like, such a beautiful representation of the queer community. And there's so many different facets in it. And it's just, like, it's such a joy to behold. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I mean, it is a wondrous thing, and I'll sort of be the first to admit it. This is like, and I think some of these people are like, oh my god, like, we complimented Ryan, and he goes, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I sort of gave this speech when I was with you guys, but like, I'll sort of be the first to be like, yeah, like, this is quite rare, like, quite phenomenal, and like, I absolutely feel like this is a huge achievement for, like, you know, me and for gays everywhere, in part because I literally set out with that as the goal of like, I'm going to write the gayest thing possible. And like, I'll be like, I'll be damned if like this eventually doesn't make it into like the hands of people that are like, not me and like, not my family. And for a long time, that was very hard. Um, and the fact that it's like happening now, like I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to sit back and sort of like mystify it with like verbiage around. Wow, like, oh, I'm I can't so believe. lucky. Yeah. I can't believe it. Like, no, the fact of the matter is, and this is what I tell the high schooler high schoolers as well it's like no i actually took tons of work and i am going to sit here up here and like be kind of like a self-congratulatory about it because i want people to know that like these things are possible and um it's because of like a lot of the work and a lot of the effort of like the community to like raise me up that like things like this happen and i'm not going to shy away from like revealing that just because i don't know like modesty is sort of the expected thing which isn't to say i'm not grateful i very much am but yeah like and this is sort of what the, the author now talks about like I very much like used to see as a coping mechanism and then found out like a lot of people do that too. And it sort of became like the, the, the major thrust of like what I wanted to write about. And 
and the fact that it included gay people was like so prohibitive for so long. Um, and then very abruptly sort of became like a huge selling point, which I think is interesting. And I sort of, you know, don't think too hard about it um, because I don't like think of diversity as like a trend. I would like to think that like, no, like these people have always been there, but now they have sort of like the, the gatekeeping power to kind of like let people like me in. And if there's anything I can sort of be that person for like the next, you know, the person behind me, like that's kind of the goal. That's my end goal. That was really, thank you for saying all of that because that was just like very nice to hear. No. Oh, yeah. That's, this is me. This is my, my like long rambling way of saying like, <laughs> I hope reverie, if anything creates enough of a shockwave to like bring about other people who have like awesome stories to tell and don't have to go through as much shit because you know, this book did something for them. Even if like, you know, even if people don't like it or don't like me, like that doesn't matter to me. Mostly I just want there to be more, more on the table. Sophie, do you have anything to add? I feel like I'm just like adding a million points and I'm not directing any towards you. Uh, I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) We're all just very awestruck. This happened when I was talking. This happens all the time. Sophie, do you hate me? Is that it? (laughs) No, I'm just thinking about cats again. (laughs) Sophie, are you just driving pins into the voodoo doll of Ryan Losala that you keep bedside? Uh, no, I, do you feel anything yet? I like mean, a, just like a slight itch. Oh, then it's working. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. I thought Perfect. That. I gave her that grape that I found. Oh my God, the grapes. <gasps> did you know, <laughs> did you know that the Morgan, the person that I screamed at to feed me grapes is the manager of that Barnes and Noble? <laughs> yes. Yes. She's like the big boss of that Barnes and Noble. And I like watched the video afterwards. Cause of course, like I was in like a fugue state for most of that. Um, <laughs> don't remember any of it and then i like watched it after and i was like oh my god i can't believe i like made and then spat a grape out at like the boss like the big boss she i like debriefed her there after she was she's very nice i really liked her a lot but i was like one of these days like i am going to be killed and i will deserve it you literally bring like a circus with you when you go to these Martins and Nobles because I like <laughs> very tall man wearing heels and a full face of makeup with a blowout girl with like cerulean hair wearing like Dragon Ball like t-shirts. It's just like you bring like the queer with you. I you know what good like there is something I it is such an honor. It is such an honor, and I'm gonna get like sapping you guys for a moment, but like it's such an honor to like see faces like yours in crowd and know that like oh like we talk we are friends like we interact and like here you are at like an event in a a space created by like literally like queer creation like what an honor it is to kind of like be a person who's like allowed to stand up there and in front of a room of like many different like types of queer people like that's all i want right that's all i ever want is like to kind of create like that space and that safety and so the fact that like you guys showed up like oh like with the beat like i was amazed i was so happy to see you both there. And I think that that's also really helpful because the people that come to my events, like tend to be like people who like fantasy, but also like teenagers will come out to and seeing like enthusiasm from especially like queer people that are like adults and can sort of make these creative decisions about like how they express themselves. Like that, like that saves lives. Like people live and die by their ability to like perceive and conceptualize a future past like what they're in right now. And the way that I think a lot of queer people do that is by like, seeing people show up to vent like a you know like a guy in heels like awesome hair colors like these things like i really do think matter in terms of like indicating to like other queer there are other queer people that like hey like we're, we're we're here even if like you know even if you are subtle like you're welcome here i i love that <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's so that like truly, and that's the thing that like I I think is so amazing about talking to like authors about books like these. It's like mm-hmm. we want to make it safe for young people and for them to understand that you know there is a life outside of being a teenager. Like you, there are people like you out in the world, mm-hmm. and it's it's so nice to have someone that's like, yes, come to me, my queer creatures. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, and that's. I mean. How often, as like a queer kid, did someone look at you in the eye and say, "Like this is for you," like this is for you? Literally never, <laughs> right? At like, anime conventions, yes, yeah. literally only <laughs> anime conventions. Love anime. This is okay. This is why, like, I will go to my grave. I will, no, the the hill that I will die on is like the one about like how anime is like important. <laughs> because I, like, yes, yes, I like can't stop talking about how much like anime matters to me from like an artistic perspective, like a cultural perspective, how it like gave me like tools and language and narratives to like solve things. Like, cause it's so interior. Like I do not stop talking about anime and how it's like such a superior art form. And I, one of these days, like someone's going to ask me to like, you know, talk about it at like an anime convention. I'm going to get booed off stage. Cause really what I want to talk about is like magical girl genre. <laughs> things like you, that. Okay. No, but I've gone to panels where people just talk about magical girls. So you should definitely do that. Yeah. But I'm not going to be coherent. I'm just going to sob the entire time about like how much like <laughs> oh, that'll work. Yeah, I know. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe if, okay. If you're listening to this, if you organize panels at like anime conventions, let me know. I have an exhaustive vocabulary when it comes to like anime tropes and the themes and, Oh, I would love nothing more. I love anime so much. I mean, I think most of the people who were on it were like comic creators, but I did go to specifically like a Sailor Moon panel where we just talked about Magical Girls at FlameCon last year. That's amazing. I went to a panel recently, at, I think it was like Anime Boston, and there was someone on the panel who did not like Magical Girl Madoka, which is one of like my favorite shows. And I initially had a very bad reaction to it, but then... I listened to what they had to say and they actually made some like very interesting points. And I was like, this is, this is actually like, this is the discourse that I want. Like I would love a dialogue <laughs> about like, for, like overanalyzing, like, like decisions in anime. That to me sounds great. I think this is, we could talk about this for like literally hours, but there's such an interesting dynamic between specifically like um how like men are portrayed and stuff in anime and i think a, a lot of stuff that and I'm speaking as a person who doesn't know too much about japanese culture about how it's so much more welcoming for men to be more feminine and like mm-hmm. affectionate towards each other but it's not um read as queer at all because it's still relatively conservative in most aspects i think mm-hmm. but it just influences like I'm like, like specifically thinking of like Yu Hakusho villains and characters where like yes. all of the men just have like rose whips, yes. but they're like, like extremely like femme, but also finding, they're like yeah, that, the like hunky man, and I'm just like yeah, these this is this is all queer, right? Everyone's queer. I think that's like it is interesting that like the reason that I think a lot of queer people love anime comes from like a cardinal misunderstanding of like everyone's Hallmark, gay yeah hallmark masculinity right when it comes to like it's like it's, it's like basically like an ethnocentric application of like american like femininity upon like what is not actually considered or like flamboyance basically like what does that mean and like a cultural practice right and so um no i'm with you like i, I love the rosewood guy from like yu haka show like i remember watching him and being like that's who i like i like that's who i want to be like get me the nearest rose like i will turn it into a whip coolest thing i've ever seen um, and then to find out that it's actually like this, like kind of like butch villain. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's changed. 
What happened? <laughs> Who I are couldn't you? believe it. Um, but, you know, as with all things, I am stubbornly choosing to interpret them as gay until the literal creator comes out of the woodwork and says, stop it. If only. I mean, we're... They can't we're, find me. <laughs> nope, you're in a reverie somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they're never going to get to me. And even if they did, I'd never open the door. <laughs> <laughs> one of the dogs that you live with would accidentally do probably, it, I'm probably. Sure. Well, I mean, one of the dogs... There's probably hundreds of dogs I live with after I saw that weird dog. <laughs> Who knows how many dogs I live with? That's probably the creator of Yu Show coming to tell me to stop queering up his oh fucking characters. He's like, I had to turn into a goddamn Pomeranian to, like, come to you and... I'm literally, like, screaming right now. <laughs> oh, no! Well, I If you like up. queer... <laughs> Fuck. If you like queer, like, could be queer, probably should be queer um, anime, Saint mm-hmm. Seiya was something that I just got turned on to. Oh, I love Saint Seiya. It's so gay. Yeah, it's so gay. It's it's like Sailor Moon, but like astrology and also I love like the armor that they wear. Also, there's like female saints in it as well, which I thought was great. Like it's like a co-ed Sailor Moon. It's a co-ed Sailor Moon, but all the women wear like facial metal masks. And I'm like, how is this happening? Yeah, I have a lot of questions as well about that. I also, well, Ronin Warriors, that was amazing. That was on Toonami. Yeah. I'm gonna, I know what I'm doing after this. I'm definitely going to look up Ronin Warriors and watch a bunch of that. <laughs> yes. Oh, amazing. So I think the last thing I wanted to ask you, because I'm literally losing my mind um, thinking about <laughs> Yu Yu Hakusho creators coming after you. <laughs> Disguised as small dogs. Yes. Um, the Miss Posey, <laughs> speaking of dogs, Miss um, Daisy. Miss Daisy, yes. Yeah, sorry, Miss Posey. <laughs> I mean, both. Miss uh, mm-hmm. Daisy. Um, are we getting a, a spinoff with just Miss Daisy? I would love that. Oh my God. I would die to write like a prequel to Reverie told from like Miss Daisy's point of view. She should. She really does. She, I think if any character was cheated in Reverie and did not get enough screen time, it's probably, probably Miss Daisy who she's a good dog. She's a great dog. But I do like that. Um, I got to like include and keep her. I kind of forget where she came from. She's one of those things that like she, I, thought of posing then immediately miss daisy sort of showed up right behind her they have always sort of been side by side in my mind i couldn't tell you why i think it like especially because i it, she's a doberman correct mm-hmm. for me um playing resident evil as a kid all of those dogs were dobermans so like i always attached which is like not good like this like ferocious animal to dobermans and like miss daisy is like such a like no you need to pay attention to me i need mm-hmm. to be pet i need to mm-hmm. be loved well she's like yeah she's like a little like princess character and ultimately like you know what people ask me all the time they're like what's like 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 where did she come from like what like does she have a reverie and like because and this doesn't really like spoil much but like you know she she's a dog but she's the dog of like a maniacal sorceress so like she's not just a dog um like she's got like a role beyond that and so uh one day i would like to kind of dig into that because i do know like i know these things because i have to think about them but um it didn't make it into the book so i officially get to like withhold that from people when they ask me (laughs) i think i'm also because sophie did the audiobook Uh uh-huh yes Mm. um you need to tell so (laughs) here's your chance to tell ryan how you felt about the audiobooks oh my god tell me Wait, okay, this... No, it was very, very good. So I did actually want to ask you, like, how much input you had on how that process went. 
I had some input. They originally, when we found out that we were going to be making an audiobook, which I think took everyone by surprise, they were like, Ryan, if you'd like, you can audition. And I think they just said that because they knew that like, I was going to ask if I could do it myself or something like that. And which, if you work with me, probably is a reasonable assumption because I'm me, but I actually didn't want to. I, I was very much like, no, I want like an actor to do this. Like, how cool. And the input that I had was they did ask, like they sent me some people. So there's sort of like an audition process. Like we selected the one that we felt was most appropriate. And then um, I probably should have, but did not like write a pronunciation guide. Although I think that he got almost everything right. There were a few things that I, I mean, there, there's <laughs> because it's a fantasy novel. Like I did, I, I did make up several words and I never not once thought to myself how they might be pronounced by like a real human tongue. <laughs> but luckily, it wasn't my, my it wasn't my problem. <laughs> by then, someone else not my figure. problem. Yeah. Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, very much like I we got to like one of the chapters in there in like the like subterranean city, and like that that language is like quite literally me like smashing a keyboard. Like there's like numerals in it. <laughs> <laughs> as we got there, I'm like, as I listened to the audiobook too, and it, when it released, um, and I had to stop listening because I anticipated that coming up and realized like oh my god, I never sent them a guide to pronouncing these words that like don't have a pronunciation or like any phonetic meaning whatsoever. And I, I turned it off for like an entire day just to mentally prepare for like what I was about to hear. I think that part was pretty good. It, it didn't uh, sound like clunky or anything. I think it flowed well. Thank God. Okay, cool. <laughs> tell me what very tell me what's like. specific about like Sophie, the voice acting in books. So like I, always, like I really liked growing up the guy who did, I think it's Jim Dale did the Harry Potter books. I really like that. And Sophie's like, fuck that. Well, I didn't listen to the Jim Dale versions of the Harry Potter books. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what you're thinking. You're circling a point. Um, no, I just had a moment because I realized like halfway through the book that I recognized the guy who was reading. I was like, his voice sounds really familiar. And it's, I know that there's like narrators who do audiobooks all the time. Yeah. That's like their thing. And I was like, he sounds familiar. And I definitely him recently. Yeah. I looked him up and he's done so many books that I've listened to. Yeah. Um, specifically, he did the audiobook for, um, Simon versus the Homo Sapien and Gender Love Simon book. Mm-hmm. He also did the audiobook for Keep This to Yourself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then there was a few other ones that I had read that we haven't covered on the podcast. And then also has done the audiobooks for books that we are like maybe covering or books that are on my personal list that I'm going to be l- definitely listening to this year. He's doing, he did. Uh, oh, Ryan's gone. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> He left because I was about to mention Stanford. <laughs> it said server connection failed. Hello, <laughs> I just I, yeeted I, out of that conversation. No, I the server died for a second. I so I'm back. <laughs> Sophie literally said Ryan left because I'm about to tell him something. <laughs> tell yeah. Oh, maybe 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 like the server was like he can't. Server was like get him out of here. That server was like I I have a fondness for this author. Well, one of one of the books that um, let me look up this person's name because I'm just like saying pro- Michael Crouch. Yes, Michael Crouch. Um, he yeah. So he also did. They both die at the end. He is and also did 19 Love Songs, which is the new David Levinthan book. Mm-hmm. And he also did The Gravity of Us. Oh yeah, he's he's like he's like he does a lot in this world. He's very sought after. He's. 
but he's so good at like doing that specific voice of like a like a younger male protagonist and like he does this thing with his voice when there's like really tense scenes and especially if you have like a character that their voice is like the main voice of the story Mm -hmm. and it just kind of like you can feel the agony and it's just it's like hurts in a good way yeah he yeah he's wonderful and this is so this is why like when i was considering people like and even like if i was going to do it myself i was like i can't like i can i can you know, perform, but like paid actors do this. Like this is like a real person's job. And, and when I was listening, I was like, Oh yes. Like, I'm glad that I made this decision in such a way because this is very much like a professional doing a very good job. And like, I don't know, it's a cool thing to hear someone like perform your words, right? Like it's a whole new experience as like a creator to hear someone's like sort of like sonic interpretation of something. Um, like I learned things about characters that like, there are just, I saw like dimensions of them that like I previously hadn't really like, thought of just based on like the performance that's really cool it was really cool yeah that's cool and he does a he does the really good thing that i love too where you can um switch between characters voices without putting on like an accent so it was like oh yeah okay i can tell that like ursula's talking right now and like stuff like that it just like it it was very good yeah yeah 10 out of 10 great job oh good okay i thought i thought you're gonna be like i hate go crouch and I don't listen to it. I was going to be like, oh, my God. No. Michael, no listen, you're my opposite. precious baby. I adore you. <laughs> yeah, Michael's great. He's a sweetheart. And I'm very excited to hear The Gravity of Us, which is a, a novel coming up by Phil Stamper. And they have a full cast. So, Oh, ooh, no. Yeah. Michael is playing Cal, who's, like, the, the main character in that. But they have, like, a full, like, the audiobook is, like, a full cast. And I cannot wait because I've never heard anything like that. No, because it's usually one or two people, right? Right. And this, this most is like of the time. Many, yeah, most of the time it's like one or two. Anyhow, I can't wait to like geek out because even from like a production standpoint, like it just like Phil, who's a, a friend of mine as well, was like telling me about like going and like seeing like a reading and like the way that they do it. And it just, it seems like a really neat thing. So I'm very excited to, to experience that. I won uh, a copy of The Gravity of Us uh, from mm-hmm. Adib Karam, and I want to hold everyone for making it possible. <laughs> oh, that is good. That is great. I have, I have, um, I have one of the arcs too, but I'm gonna buy, I'm gonna buy the book in any edition that it comes out in. To be quite honest, <laughs> that's the thing. I it's really great when like people are able to like send us stuff, but I really like having like the you know the full blown book too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like something I feel like I'm actually able to support the author if I'm buying a book. I don't know right. why. Like, I, well, you are. I mean, that's a good inclination to have. Yeah, I, I just, uh, and I, I prefer hardcover books too. So, like those, I, I don't know. It's just like how I like to have my books. Love a good paperback. Um, do you cut your books in half? Um, yes, but only like top bottom. I like to just know the top of the page, <laughs> but every single page. I like to just make up what happens on the lower half. <laughs> Context like, clues. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah. What's over here? Oh, that's that happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I uh every page is a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that online and I was like, wait, people is that like a thing that people actually do or is it just like haha funny on the internet? I think it's mostly haha funny on the internet. I've literally never seen that before. But as soon as I saw it, I actually thought that made a lot of sense because I've, you know, also always wanted to change the Ryan's disappearing again. Oh, no. I'm getting am sucked I, into a memory. Bye, guys. It's funny. What just happened? Your voice, like, garbling out is exactly what I imagined the phone call to uh, Maxine's house to be like. Yeah. 
no. Just whispering in the background. Look, do not send the others. I am happy in my reverie. They're going to mess it up. They're going to come get me. Fuck it up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they were trying real hard, but oh, buddy. Oh, God. Yeah, they they really. I know. This is everyone's like, for for, that, they're like, this is their job. They're not very good at it. And I'm like, yeah. But they're no. also like kids, so yeah, they're it would teenagers be like, trying to like, figure kids. this thing out. Like and one of them, like does not like the one of them that's like the most powerful has no idea what he's supposed to be doing. Like halfway through, he's like, "Guess what, bitches? I can fly." And they're like, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> yes, oh, I love that. That sounds um, great. They're like, "Okay, yeah, you figured stuff out." Every time that I love that. Every time he was like, "Oh, I found out this thing," and everyone was like, "Yeah, we know already." Well, you know what always drives me a little bit bananas is, like, when I watch something that, like, has teens in it and, like, they just have so much time. Like, an entire episode takes place and they do, like, all these things and, like, by the end of the day, like, the plot's resolved. And I'm like, when I was a teenager, like, I had, like, after-school activities, like, nothing got resolved as quickly. Like, I was not with my friends for four hours before, like, school started eating, like, a breakfast with orange juice. Oh, yeah, like, Pretty Little Liars, they were like, we spent six hours before class doing this, yes. and the time never changed. I'm like, I'm like, are there class changes? Like, don't you have homework? To-? Like, I just, it drove me crazy, and now when people, and I don't, like, really respond to, like, reviews and stuff, but whenever I see that, like, I was gonna be like, well, like, how did you have so much time to communicate with your friends in high school? Because, for the most part, we were all really busy, and, like, I don't remember having, like, and if I was in this circumstance, like, there's a part where, like, they ask Adeline to, like, use her supernatural powers to do something, and she's like, I have Latin homework. And, like, that's, <laughs> that's like, literally, like, Me? what? I, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, good. You should. Like, that's, it's your job. You're a student first. I'm sorry. I have to go to ballerina class. What do you have to do? She's like, I have dance practice. I can't, I can't save the world right now. Ballerina I'm like, class? Ballerina, yeah. yeah she has some- and she needed those skills at some point in the book. That's true. <laughs> they did come in handy. <laughs> Um, I, one of my like people are always like, w- if you could do a TED talk on one thing, oh, like no. unprompted, my one thing is always like, what timeline is Gilmore Girls on? Because there's an entire <laughs> episode that happens. There'll be like a full forty-five minute episode, and then the end of the episode will be like Rory be like, okay, gotta go to school now. I'm like, do you guys at four p.m.? Like, what's happening? Yes, yes. Oh my god, yes. This is. It's so weird. I'm like, who, who, like, that's so unrealistic. Well, just doesn't Gilmore no Girls take place in, like, Connecticut and, like, a very rich area where it's like, they go to school whenever they want. It's 4 p.m. There's still students here. They're in, yeah, they're in Star Stars Hollow, which is in Connecticut. It's a fake place. It's um, not real. Like, it's actually a back lot in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Reverie also takes place in Connecticut, too. So, really, maybe this is what people are reacting to. They're like, well, we know high schoolers in Connecticut, based on Rory Gilmore, have a lot of time <laughs> oh, yeah. to banter and communicate. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. If that's, that, you can I have a full, that. <laughs> full conversation with your mom and then quips with your best friend and then go get diner food and then have, like, a confrontation with your current <laughs> love interest. And then you get on a bus 45 minutes to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like... Fine, you're right. I can't compete with that. Like, if the, if the <laughs> others had that amount of time, then I'm sure they would have done a lot better. You had shit to do. You had animes to watch. I did. I had, look, I was a busy kid. I was in competitive choir. I was. Um, oh. I was a varsity do you, athlete. Like, fight, sing at each. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of fight singing. Basically, like this. I was in Glee Club before Glee Club the show came out. So when Glee Club the show came out, I was like currently. I was like presently living through that. Um, oh no mm-hmm. but like this is gonna sound terrible but like the we first of all weren't ugly club we were like a um 
a sh- sort of like a show choir, basically. Same thing as a good club, but a little bit different. Um, and because our school had like a lot of like arts programming, like it was actually like the shows were very good. And like, we would like go to like state championships and things like that too. Like we were ranked and, the result was that like the hierarchy in high school was very much reversed and sort of like tipped on its head so that like the theater kids like were, you know, like the like well-adjusted people. Whereas like all of like the like jocks and cheerleaders were just like, you know, not the like cool people that like you would think run a school. And so um, when I was watching Glee and the whole premise of Glee is that like, this is a safe space to be like, you know, we're all marginalized. We're all in Glee club. We're all minorities or whatever that like line is. Oh uh, God! Do you uh, not yeah. remember? No, this? It's literally, like a great I, line. I have it's a Glee like, tattoo, and Glee was really fucked up. <laughs> it's great. No, I and I love it. But the whole premise of like Mr. Shu point is like we're all minorities. We're all in the Glee club. Ooh. Like to like at this like the, like many people are like white. <laughs> so oof, so good. Anyhow, like I watched that show and I was like, this is unrealistic. Like we're popular, and whether or not we were, it's, <laughs> it's like up for debate. But I definitely felt empowered. I'm just like picturing a high school, but it's just like the theater kids or the bullies just snapping down the hallway and like all the jocks are like hiding against the lockers. Look, that was me. Like I was a terror in high school because too powerful, too powerful. Like, like, I mean, I have not changed much in the last like decade or so. So like to dial this back to like a kid in high school and it's like basically me like lecturing people on like, you know, queer theory while having like a dodgeball practice and then someone like pegs me in the face and like in my fury I like try to transform into Sailor Moon like it, it I was just unhinged I love the dog barking right after you say I'm unhinged yeah they're yeah they, they, they're they're excited agree. they yeah. agree um the one thing that I guess because Sophie doesn't um have the like the physical copy Posey's Charms in the back oh yeah is this from like trollbeads.com or <laughs> trollbeads.com? What is that? There's a store in my mall called Trollbeads, and every time I look at it, I get mad. Trollbeads.com. Hold on. We're going to Trollbeads. <laughs> it's real. Yes. Troll beads. Oh my god, since 1976. Ew. Their whole their whole website's a footer. No. <laughs> wow, interesting. Okay. Uh, oh, they're international. Okay, we're gonna go to. I'll do this later. Um <laughs> What would you like to know about the charms? So I, I really like. Did you do these drawings, or were they? Yeah, I did. I did all that. Oh my god, these are like really detailed drawings. Thank you. I have never drawn professionally, and on a whim, when Barnes and Noble was like, "What do you want to do for exclusive content?" I originally, I originally proposed doing like a posy um, dress-up doll. Or, like, Ugh. you have, like, basically, literally what I wanted to do, she wears a very specific fur coat at one point, and I wanted to basically admit that she had, like, pelted a, like, mythical beast in order to get it. Like, she did it herself. It's like a pink fur coat. And, um, which I know is violent to, like, describe, but it's like As a, a pink person myself, I feel, <laughs> you know, very scared. As you should. And, um, but, like, I just thought it'd be funny, like, you know, if someone made a coat out of, like, that giant, like furry snake from the never ending story. Like what would it look like? Oh my God. Um, do you know, do you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that thing. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> look, I haven't found his product page on trollbeads.com yet. So I don't know the specifics, <laughs> but, um, anyhow, so this, we, we, we went back and forth in this idea of like, basically like me drawing something. Um, I kind of take care not to like depict Posey. Cause I like to leave her up to the imaginations of my readers, 
but the charms and like her bracelet, like one thing I was like, well, I do actually like, I know exactly what's on that bracelet because I had to write it. And I know about like a lot of her other charms and like properties and like, you know, she traverses a lot of these reveries. Like, wouldn't it be cool to sort of write a, a history to the things that like exist or that she uses to like fight with um, sort of like her inventory. And so that, that's where that idea came from. They're like very beautifully drawn. And I, I wasn't expecting this when I like flipped through to the end to like see them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love you. the oopsie daisy and the teacup. Oh my god, yes, the oopsie daisy does not actually come up in the book, but it's always been there. I love them, and also the dreadmare knight. Like, mm-hmm. so it's so cool to actually see that like illustrated because, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so like, it's a horse that has horns, but like no ears, but it's like it has a beak, but like it was so cool. <laughs> I'm glad that you're acknowledging that the dreadmare, like, the description of it is just like incoherent because in part it's sort of meant to be but it's just my my thesis is that horses are scary and i needed to prove they're that terrifying point. so yes, horses are, are your birds yeah you're right like what like ursula is to birds like i am to horses i just think that they're very i think that like we underestimate horses they're we trust powerful. them too much yes i like i can't believe like they just let us sit on them but sometimes they just jettison us off of them they're like fuck you yeah anyhow this is like that's my point like is that like they are cre- they are nightmarish creatures <laughs> <laughs> like we need to step back and take a look at it and be like oh my god these things are horrifying also their hair is too like too much <laughs> I like their hair. I think it's funny that like they're basically like dragons and wigs. Truly, oh they have, they all have good lace fronts. Yes, exactly. Um, I think also the other like the starfish is cool. The white wooden mm-hmm. key, like they're all really interesting. The the old whistle, like mm-hmm. I won't say what it's for, but it's very good. Mm-hmm. Is that what you thought it would look like? So I was like thinking of it, and like further into the book, is it like it's described. And then, like, towards the end, we find out, like, what it is. I'm like, oh, my God, this makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I actually didn't, like, that was one of the things that I wrote and then eventually saw the association. But as I was writing it, I was like, I just need to make this shit work. And then later, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah. So, not the genius everyone thinks. <laughs> Mostly stumble my way through. I mean, it's a reverie. That's what you have to do. Yeah, tru- yeah tru- truly, that book. Yeah, everyone's like, it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, well, try being me. <laughs> try. Yeah. Imagine how tired we are. Yeah, imagine how tired I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sophie, do you have anything to ask Brian? Uh, <laughs> She's like, please, no. Please no, don't make me. I, be, I, have, I have, like, some questions written down, but, like, I don't. <laughs> how long can we talk for? I have um, no limit. I'm, yeah, I'm good to... I There's no speak. limit? Okay, good. So let's get back to cats. I'm no, pasting I'm into the chat. I found I'm on trollbeads.com. You guys have to look at these beads that I just found. Anyhow, do you guys have any other questions for me? Is there anything else I can help you with? <laughs> I don't think I can recover from this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I tell my entire family to like shut up and leave me alone while I'm doing these. And all they can hear me is... Like doing is just screaming, giggling at things, and yeah. just going like, "Oh my god, yes, bitch!" And they're probably like, "Is he actually interviewing a person or just talking to himself?" Yeah, it could it could be both. Probably. <laughs> yeah, you're interviewing yourself. Oh, oh my god, nightmare. Okay, um, Sophie, do you have anything to ask Ryan before we sacrifice him to the troll beads? <laughs> oh no. 
What kind of? Okay, this is a serious question. Yeah, yeah. We have to please get back on a serious. <laughs> we have got to find our way out of this. <laughs> what <clears throat> What kind of Pokemon would you be? Goddamn, Brendan. <laughs> No, this is serious. I would be a ghost water type. I would be Jellicent. She is a beautiful, lovely puffball princess of a Pokemon. Um, The female one specifically, the male one looks like Mr. Pringle, but the female Jellicent is like Mr. Pringle. She looks like like a living ghostly bonbon, and she's ghost water type. And her um, her ability is cursed body. Wow, you like my spooky body? Yeah, literally that. Like she's she's got like a spooky body. If you if you touch her. Like, use a move on her, it becomes disabled. Oh my god. It's just, it just, it seems like an allegory for my dating life. Um, I think that's, that is, but what if it is an attribute, like, it's an attribute to how powerful you are? I would like to think that it is. Um, any, any game, if I can get jealous and I do my utmost to, she's, she's very good. And because she looks so ridiculous, I think, like, people don't use her because she just doesn't look like a serious Pokemon. But she's very powerful. Um, her special defense is great. She also uses like fairy type moves, so she's very effective against dragons. Anyhow, I, I, w- I wish I could be as powerful as her. I think realistically, I'm probably Tangela. Oh, Tangela <laughs> I mean, is good too. I feel I like, love Tangela. I feel like Tangela is a good one. Yeah, when I was younger, I was infatuated with Tangela. I went through a whole phase, and I would trade away like very good cards just so I could accumulate even more Tangela cards. I had a whole deck. <laughs> See, but like that's the kind of person when you like fight in Pokemon, it's like. Trainer Ryan wants to fight you, and you're like, yeah. okay, cool, Ryan. And then, like, you fight. It's like, why is this person only of Tangles? Yeah, no, that was me. Like, that, that when I encounter those people, I'm like, I get it. I understand what it's like to be in love. <laughs> I also am a Ratata trainer. I get it. <laughs> yeah, just only Sandrews. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that was like the last series. Wait, what, what about what, what Pokemon's would you guys be? So I really have a fascination with. Uh, when I was a kid, I really loved Vaporeon. Yes. Um, because she's so pretty. Beautiful. Queen. Like, honestly. And I, I really do like icy Pokemon, but I think as an adult, I would probably be like a fire fairy. That's kind of cool. That's a nice typing. Yeah, I feel like it's like a cool, like, f- flaming fairy type. Flaming fairy <laughs> oh, type. <no>. Absolutely. <laughs> oof. <laughs> oof. Oof is, honestly, anything I say is oof. Oof. Sophie, what about you? Uh, so I, like, for my entire life, has been, like, a diehard, like, electric and fire type only Pokemon trainer. Mm-hmm. Like, Raichu is my number one boy yes. forever in my heart. Do you like Alolan Raichu? I love him. He's a little yeah, on his little tail. That's so mm-hmm. cool. I love it. I'm I'm all I'm Lieutenant Surge all day. I'm like fuck Pikachu. I'm evolving you immediately. Like you don't need to learn <laughs> any agility moves. Amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm with you on that. But I so I've been playing Sword and uh, Toxicity is like oh, yes. I I didn't think I could love this Pokemon anymore because he starts off as this like dumpy little purple dragon who's just like meh, and then evolves into this like amazing like electric guitar playing electric Pokemon. I was like, yes. who are you? I love you. It's I'm looking them up right now. I so I'm in Sword right now and I'm like slowly like designing my Pokedex. Not my like the name that I want because I I like to look ahead of time and like figure out who I'm gonna like be with. I always pick like just the weird flamboyant Pokemon. Like I never go by like type, which is why I'm not great at the game. <laughs> oh yeah, I always pick the ones that are cute. I'm like yeah, yeah, these these ones. Yeah, like I know that I want like the like the ghost tea kettle. <laughs> 
Yes. See, but I like the one that looks like a little fucking like a uh, candle. And I, my brother named the one that is like a chandelier Chanel. And I was like looking at his Pokédex. I was like, did you name this Chanel? He's like, yes, I love the house of Chanel. I love the house. And I was like, Frankie. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. I sometimes I'll name them after reverie characters. Like if I have like a Gardevoir, I name her Adeline all the time. <gasps> yes. Oh my god. Because it's just like they're like the same, just like like sassy bitch, like real cunt, like gonna like use psychic moves on you. <laughs> and, um, and then her like mega version with like the gigantic dress. I love. I love for that. Oh my god, yes. Incredible. Oh my god, toxicity, cutie. Also, your agent, uh, Ver- is it Veronica Boone? Veronica, uh, yeah, yeah, Veronica Park is her name. Yes. Um, so I love that she she's basically you refer to her as like Sailor V all the time. Yes, all the time. Yeah, I love that relationship. <laughs> she's wonderful. And if any Sailor Scout was going to be a literary agent, it would be Venus. Which is why um, when V introduced herself as V for the first time, I was like, "Oh, we're going to work together. This is it. I'm forcing you to work with me." Yeah, she's great. I really, I really admire her. Um, she's like a crazy, like bisexual roller derby dame, and like, truly, wow, hello, yeah, love that. yeah, really, really great. Like, such an iconic combination. And the reason I'm with her is because when we first started talking about Reverie, she like skipped over everything. And was like, we have, we have to talk about Posey, and she really understood what I was going for with a character like that. And I mean, think of this as like young little Ryan trying to sell a book, like suddenly like an agent wants to talk about the thing that you're pretty sure is like the most prohibitive selling point of your book, right? Like the thing that's going to like close the most doors and windows is going to be like the drag queen sorceress. But it was the thrust of the the pitch based upon like Veronica's attitude. And I was like, good, this is sort of like the right point of view that I need artistically and like professionally, if I'm going to work with somebody, especially on a book like this, I was never going to work with somebody that didn't necessarily see eye to eye with me about like the inclusion of that character. Yeah, because I think the thing that, like, Reverie is such, like, a, a dreamy book. I think that having such, like, a a powerful sorceress that, like, this person is clear, like, you're so inspired by, like, a, you know, the dramatic Queen Beryl, I should say. Yes, love her. Like, she is, in essence, a drag queen. And so, like, when, yeah. we, when oh, yeah. we met, we were talking about, like, all of the villains in, in Sailor Moon are basically drag queens. Yeah. Like that, it fits in so much with that, and I, I feel like if Posey wasn't anything other than Posey, we it wouldn't be as as great. Especially within like the realm of like a book like Reverie, where it cascades through like so many different worlds. Like it's, I mean, it is hard to like think of somebody that's like going to be able to like traverse all of that and still be the standout. Which is why like it is very gratifying as like, a creator because that people like resonate with her because like the fact that like she's like a standout in a book where like you know, everything's sort of at a 10 in terms of just, like, you know, overkill. Like, that's amazing, right? Like, I can't believe it. And I feel like, like you just said, like, everything is at a 10. She's at, like, an 11, but it's, like, yes. not, like, a be- it's, like, I I love it that she's cranked herself past, like, the possibility of what is. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry I'm ruining her fun about troll beads. <laughs> No, this is great. I mean, look, I if but I did like the troll beads moment. I love the compliments too. I'll <laughs> I'll take either. I really don't know. Like, it, I would like to not have to choose <laughs> between troll beads and a compliment. I'm really sorry that I introduced you to troll beads, but I've literally walked by the store 
every day to get coffee at work. And it's scary. The store is where is it? You said it's in Philadelphia. Oh no, I live in New Jersey near, near Princeton. And there's uh, in the Quaker bridge mall. um, There is a store called troll beads and it replaced a store called wait for it. It's all leggings. (laughs) Oh no. And I'm not kidding. The lights on it go out all the time. They move downstairs. It's all leggings. And it's just right now it says it leggings. It's legs. It's legs. It's legs. It's it's not called it's lighting. It's just like it's it truly my mall is so fucked up. Um I love your mall. I love the like it like definitely sounds like it's a place between places. Like it's like an interstitial realm. Like anything could happen there. Honestly, I think it was built on some kind of like burial ground of some sort. And my dad looked it up and it was built on a sand pit, which means it was built on a burial ground. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like there's definitely like a hellmouth on t- like under it. Like I'm waiting for Buffy to be like, hi, I need a lotion for my fist. I just punched a demon. Right. Like there's something whipping tentacles at me in the woman's bathroom. Truly. Well, I'm, I think that was probably the actual, like, last serious question I've had, because we've almost had you here for two hours talking about <laughs> troll beads. Nothing else. Oh, my God. Please tell me you're going to, like, edit this somewhat. <laughs> I'm just going to leave the entire thing of troll beads in. You That's can the do whole that. episode. Nothing else. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hopefully, it's just actually, we had Ryan LaSalle on. He only talked about beads for about 15 minutes and then ordered noodles, and that was the end of it. That was the whole talk. Thanks yeah. for listening to Reverie. <laughs> Oh, God, all my interviews are like this. How can they all come back to troll beads? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's um, all right. That's okay. This is the, the true, I mean, you guys know, this is the true Ryan LaSalle experience. Next time I'm going to end up doing this in front of a crowd. Honestly, I'm not kidding. Um, you just being, like, so unapologetically, like, queer and being, like, a, a younger queer person as well, it's just, like, so encouraging. Like, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. Um, you, please, someone's got to do this. And you already do have uh, one third of my inheritance. That's true. I do. I'm you, not kidding. <laughs> the, the cups are sitting next to a antique um, serving plate that is, yeah. was one of my parents' wedding gifts. Good. One day I'm going to go into hiding and the only people that are going to be able to find me are the people that won those goddamn miniature <laughs> services. <laughs> I threatened to hide them yeah. in Sophie's house. <laughs> Sophie, you wouldn't like that, would you? No, I'm just picturing my cats just knocking them onto the floor and then shattering them into tiny pieces. Yeah, well, you're not wrong. But the only or way to me truly walking get rid in of and like the cats are like having tea with the cups and they just look at me and then I look at them and then we don't know what to do. It's like either it's all very likely. This is like what yeah what you don't know is that I actually like this is me dispersing a curse <laughs> via a book event. So now you have like many cursed objects in your house. Only way yes, to get rid finally. of them. Yes. Someone actually did. It's funny like the people that are like into Reverie are always almost always like very odd. Um, and as like a very odd person, this is not like. I don't mean that as like a, a mean thing, um, but like the things that like people give me <laughs> during reverie events are very funny. And recently, someone came up to me and they're like, "Would you like to sign my grimoire?" <laughs> and I oh like, my god! I'm not yes. signing that curse little book. And actually, even before they said that, they came up with like what like this like very elegant looking book. And I was like, I I was like, I love your curse little book, but I'm not putting my name in it. Like thinking like <laughs> like it's like a devil's book, right? And then like later they were like. I was going to ask if you wanted to sign my grimoire, but you actually already told me that you wouldn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't like that season of Sabrina. It's a right. death note. Don't do it. It's absolutely, I was like, I was like, absolutely. Like you're going to, I was like, I, and I, I stuck by it. I was like, look, 
I'm not going to sign your Grimoire. I'm sorry. I don't know what you do with that. You understand by going by having attended anime conventions, there are limits to what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah, I'm not putting my name in any of that. Because I fully believe that it's real. So I oh, watch yeah. anime. Like, I know better than to put my name in the Devil's Notebook. I've oh, seen The man. Crucible. <laughs> Does not end well for like Annabeth and Sarah Beth and all the Beth. Diana Beth. I saw Goody Proctor at the anime convention. And <laughs> I saw Goody Proctor. I'm going to die. Sign oh my death. God. I'm literally going to tweet. I saw, I saw Goody Proctor sign the death note. <laughs> <laughs> I no. saw her with my own two eyes. Shit. I saw, I'm doing it now. I seen it. Goody Excellent. Proctor. Proctor. How do you see? Goody Proctor. I, I mean, being from like, so I, was, I was in, oh, Elizabeth Proctor. Here she is. Um, John Proctor's wife. Oh, I love this. I, being from Massachusetts, I was in Salem a lot. I'm from Connecticut, but sorry, I was in Massachusetts for like 10 years, so I spent a lot of time like in the lore of this place, and I love talking about like fucking Goody Proctor. Oh my god. Amazing. Well, um, I, I guess we should end before we turn this into a, an episode about something else other than troll beats. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, You're having a breakdown? Yeah, I'm Are having you okay? it. I'm having it now. Do you want a troll bead? <laughs> Are you going to turn me into you? a troll bead? Yeah, <laughs> yes. this is currently the process of being unraveled. Oh, man. So we have uh, Ryan LaSala here with us today talking about Reverie, troll beads, and um, Sailor Moon. <laughs> Trying to think of what else we spoke about today. Oh, there's lots. Yu Yu Hakusho and the creators coming at me as a Pomeranian. Oh, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Goody Proctor signing Death Note. There's lots going on today. There's just so much. Um, and uh, thank you for really giving us the most layered episode we've <laughs> ever done. I'm not kidding. Thank you for having me. If you guys want to send a cease and desist, I'll send you my address in the DM. <laughs> We're only going to send you troll beads. <laughs> I, you know what I like. I've told you I've picked out several troll beads that I would really love. It's going to not- be like a glitter bomb, but it's going to be troll beads. <laughs> troll beads. Oh my god. I mean, if you want to send us your address so we can send you a bracelet full of troll beads. Only, I mean, look, if you're there, if you're just going to be past my troll beads anyways, like, I will send you a list of beads that I want. I have oh, to, man. Brendan, I have to come visit you at work and we have to go to the troll bead store. You need, you guys need to FaceTime me when you do. Anyhow, I'm sorry, you were trying to wrap up. No, it's fine. <laughs> Um, this is how you. we wrap up. We yeah, continue exactly. talking for another twenty minutes. We did this to Tom Ryan. We're going to do it to Adam Sass. Um, this is just how we do it. <laughs> good, good. Well, so send my best wishes to Adam. <laughs> um, He's next. Yeah, honestly, if he could be next, that would be great. <laughs> He's all the way in like September or something. I know. Yeah, he's got he's got a ways to go, but um, gross. He's absolutely lovely and a total riot. So for I sure, can't reach wait out. because he told me recently that he worked at like as a barista for five years, and I was like, yeah. oh my God, "How yes. did you not kill anyone?" Yeah, that's yeah, that's a job that I'm unsuited for. Oh, very much so for me as well. But um, thank you so much for listening to Superlit and for joining us today, Ryan. Thank you so much, guys. I had such a lovely time. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Tell the hundreds of dogs we said goodbye. (laughs) They know. They're listening. (laughs) And uh, you've been listening to the Superlit Podcast. Cue outro music. (laughs) Thank you for knowing, Sophie. (laughs) Do-do-do-do-do-do.